Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to episode 39 of Moments That Rock, which is now coming to you weekly. Today's guest is, in fact, a previous guest. This is part two of Andy Spinoza, whose excellent book, Manchester Unspun, unspins Manchester culturally, musically, and um, some great information. I particularly like this because it's about my hometown, where I grew up in and left uh, 20 years ago now. So, the development of the city, and of course, if you don't know, bands like Joy Division, even Graham Nash, New Order, The Buzzcocks, Oasis, Simply Red, Stone Rose, etc., etc. We start the conversation with me talking a little bit about how bands like U2 emerged by just sticking to their guns and doing what they did in a very particular way, which was very synonymous with a lot of the Manchester music. They didn't subscribe to any written rules. They went about things their own way. But we'll get straight into it. The same story with you too. When when they got a record deal, no, in fact, they, nobody was offering them a record deal. But they didn't sign for the money. They signed for the equivalent of what they used to call artistic control. I will have a will have a say in what you're going to release as a single, and we're not going to do everything and anything. And I think you know you only have to look at the success of those two bands to think that maybe they were right. <laughs> well, absolutely. And look how many bands took a big advance and then you know crashed and burned, and no one's ever heard of them. Yeah, I think the the great thing, I mean, obviously we both share a strong affection with Factory. I think anybody that's, you know, elder statesman, I'm a, a mank yank now. So, you know, I have fond memories about Manchester, but at the same time, um, you want to watch everything that's going on, but you're not closely involved with it. But I think it's amazing to think that they're bringing another festival there. The legacy that is, you know, Blue Monday and stuff warrants like documenting and talking about and things because a lot of cities all over the world um, don't have like the back catalogue that, that Manchester does. And we only have to, I still have that bag. We're from Manchester. We do things differently here, which was, of course, Tony Wilson's um, classic quote. And of course, Tony's legacy will last forever because he was a very smart guy with an incredible, you know, career forever because he, he had the gift of the gab. He was intelligent and he got a lot out of people. He was interviewing and he didn't give a toss. He just did it his own way. And um, he commands so much respect the way he allowed bands to develop, not one of those bands with a major label would have been successful in the way that did, and certainly not the two classic case studies of New Order, Stroke, Joy Division and Happy Mondays. The book has actually sparked off by reading a quote um, of his um, 
which he gave in 2007, actually. And he said, I don't see this as a story of a band. I see this as a story of a city. Um, Joy Division and, and what came after um, it is, is the foundation of this of this regenerated city. And I thought, well, that's preposterous. <laughs> when I started looking into it, um, I've written a whole book, basically, which sets out to prove just that. Because, I mean, in 2007, there was only one of the new wave of skyscrapers completed. Then there was a, pro- a, a huge economic crash. Nothing got built in Manchester for five years. So all the, you know, if you look at the Manchester skyline now. Um, what year was that, Andy? That, what was those five years? 2007 to 2012. Um, you know, the, maybe in 2012, buildings started to, to, to sprout up because obviously for two or three years, no one could get any finance and then they started again so in other words all the new buildings that anyone now sees in Manchester have gone up in the last 10 years which is an incredible accelerated um, rate of of development Um, and it shows that Manchester has become is um, an international destination for investment from some of the biggest companies and and sovereign wealth funds in the world Um, and, you know, I think I wonder what Tony would think now, because some people think that Manchester's lost that kind of charisma and it's lost that it's lost its soul. Um, other people think it's great. It's futuristic. It's, um, you know, the future has arrived and we should really embrace it. So there's a real life debate going on in the city now, which, um, you know, which I think my book, book taps into. Um, and then people think, the factory hacienda legend, you know, I'm well aware people think it's just that, just a legend, you know, they'll have their own opinions on what may makes Manchester that's that exceptional place that you're talking about, you know, such a um other cities envy Manchester in the in the UK because um they just haven't got that collection of of, of um music and culture that draw or that brings people around the world and 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 brings their attention to it. But <clears throat> factory had this art for art's sake kind of idealism, didn't it? You know, um, and that's kind of really gone beyond irony for me because they didn't care about profit. They didn't really care <laughs> if you bought their records or not because they kind of did it for themselves. Like the Hacienda was for themselves. <laughs> um, and that's why it was financial... Um, disaster for a few few years um but today's manchester is very much about money you know sky high buildings matching rents as well it's manchester is full you know you, you basically can't get uh you can't get to live here um because so many people are here now and there aren't any empty uh, accommodation I think, you know, we just can't, I, I would say we can't say for sure if without Tony Wilson, Factory Hacienda, Manchester would have been a better or a worse city. But we can say for sure it would have been a very different city. I think they really did, you know, leave their mark on on the city as opposed to just being, you know, a record label, just being a nightclub. It kind of inspired a whole wave of um, of, of activity that um that is 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 lasts until today 
Excellent stuff. Andy Spinoza talking about the culture. Hello, Pantheon Podcast listeners. Christian Swain here to tell you more about my experience with Raycon earbuds. Our family now has three pairs of Raycon earbuds around the house. And my wife just grabbed a pair of the headphone pros to replace some headphones from a company that was double the price. And yes, she loves them. Now, if you haven't pulled the trigger on a pair of Raycons, or even if you have, but you're in the market for another pair because they're just that good, well, now is the time to check them out because they just launched their upgraded model of the best-selling everyday earbuds. With Raycon's upgraded everyday earbuds, now you also get active noise cancellation, ergonomic design, and multi-point connectivity that lets you pair with two devices at once. New quick charge function, three customizable sound styles plus awareness mode. Available in a variety of vibrant new colors to complement any and all skin tones. I even have a pair of earbuds in a cool green color. I have tried just about every earbud known to humankind, and these Raycons are fantastic. Seriously, if you've been wanting to check out Raycons, there truly is no better time. You're going to ask yourself why you didn't check them out sooner, and Raycon offers a 30-day happiness guarantee. So, what are you waiting for? Go to buyraycon.com slash pantheon today to get 20% off your Raycon order, plus free shipping. That's right, you'll get 20% off and free shipping at buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline and the music of the city of Manchester, England. We'll be back after this. Sex Pistols is really relevant because, you know, the, the not only the Granada uh, televising of them in 76, but also the two shows they did in Manchester in 76. It's, you know, there's been volumes of, of books written about the, about those gigs, the fact that suddenly there were no rules and so many bands who were at those gigs or so many people who were at those gigs formed bands, you know, Joy Division, The Fall, Buzzcocks, um, you know, Billy Duffy, and also those kind of interpreters of Manchester, the photographer Kevin Cummins, the writer Paul Morley, Wilson himself, um, those gigs gave um, a kind of a lit a match, really, under all under an ex- and Manchester <laughs> exploded with cultural activity. Um, <clears throat> so that's really important that you mentioned the Sex Pistols, and it, it's there's a there's a very interesting circularity around the fact that the two hundred eleven million pound new art centre factory international is launching this year on the site of the Granada TV studios, um, where, of course, the Sex Pistols, the Beatles, and everyone else, you know. Isn't it weird that Factory started with gig nights in a bus driver's social club 
in the failed housing estate of, of Hume on the edge of the city centre in 1978. And in 2014, George Osborne in Parliament praised factory records, gave Manchester £78 million for um, this new art centre called called the Factory, now called Factory International, for 5,000 people. Um, and, and now that, that government's uh, funding for it has totaled £100 million. And there's a kind of a, a weird kind of journey of like a crazy paving cosmic journey from, you know, bus driver social club in Hume to this mega uh, building for um, for cutting edge culture that um, factory has given it given its name to. And who would have forecast that, you know, a gang of maverick counterculture revolutionaries would be praised in the House of Commons by a Conservative Chancellor 30 years later. And I think, you know, if nothing else, that goes to prove that the art that was made from, the, you know, those bands, the music, the photography, the design, the culture of, of that Manchester produced has had this really long-lasting, long-lasting effect. Last year, the British Pop Archive launched in Manchester at the John Rylands Library, and they took, you know, among among things like Ian Curtis's lyrics and Rob Gretton, the New Order manager's archive, and also my archive and Kevin Cummings' archive. These were the inaugural kind of collections that it, that it launched with. I'm one of the proud Mancunians that is uh, honest enough to say I wasn't at that gig. Sure. Um, and the three you missed were Mick Ocknell, Barney, uh, Bernard Sumner and Peter Hook, who went out the following day and bought guitars at Reno's and yeah. Joy Division became one. The rest is history. Absolutely. I mean, there was one piece of research I did that looked at the Hacienda's first um, membership forms because it was a members club originally. And um, it's got this phrase, intention to restore a sense of place. I mean, how pretentious of Wilson to say, you know, right at the outset, we, this we want to um, revive our city um, with this with this new building in a, you know, in a city where, as I pointed out, you know, it was a dead zone. Um, you'll remember there was, you know, the buildings were half fallen down. A lot of them. There were buildings that were just looked like they'd kind of been bombed, bombed since the war and hadn't been, um, you know, hadn't been restored. Um, it was a really sad sight, Manchester City Centre. It was like um, a city that had given up. It was kind of sliding into the dustbin of history. And, you know, Wilson, Rob Gretton particularly were very keen, um, um, very knowledgeable uh, about the past of Manchester and its previous greatness. And they took, you know, they took these, uh, the state of the, of the city centre in particular in, uh, they took it very personally. You know, they were dismayed at the kind of contempt that central government, I think, um, in, in England had had for, for their great city and they wanted to do something about it. Um, and, I think looking back over 40 odd years, the research that I've done, to me, it's like a, an epiphany in slow motion. But yeah, actually, <laughs> the Hacienda 
did kickstart um, today's new today's new Manchester because um, the club, factory records, and everything that went with it. I'm thinking about Savile's, uh, Peter Savile's record sleeves, Kevin Cummings' photography, made the city interesting around the world. Um, gave it a kind of a charisma that other cities didn't have. And it acted like a kind of alternative tourist board, you know, which no one would, you know, when I read the NME in London when I, when I was 16, 17, um, I didn't want to go to where it was sunny and uh, and everyone looked happy. It was this very interesting place full of, uh, full of uh, uh, falling down buildings and uh, atmospheric vistas of a, of a ruined empire. That's where I wanted to be. And that's where a lot of people, um, I'm sure you, you know, running your business come across people, came across people who came up from London and elsewhere from around the world, um, very intrigued and, and, and entranced by this Manchester that they were they were reading about in, in magazines, newspapers, and of course listening to the music. And like Stephen Morris of New Order has said, people would tell Joy Division your music sounds like Manchester. I mean, how can music sound like a city? But we all kind of, you know, if, if you knew the Manchester of those days, then you could really understand what, what he was on about. Um, and so that whole city building mission um, is something that I've really explored in, in the book. Correct me if I'm wrong, but you talk about like, um, obviously we're talking a lot about Tony Wilson and stuff. And my recollections, you know, everybody lives in the city now. Nobody did then. My recollection's right. Tony Wilson was one of the first people to live in that loft apartment by somewhere down on Deansgate. I remember going around there. It's it's um, it's great that you mentioned Tony Wilson living um, in his um, in his uh, city centre loft when um, so few people. In fact, I think he was the first. Who who wanted who created a new a New York style loft in uh, in a Manchester old uh, warehouse basically but, you know he knew what New York lofts were like and I mean they of course New York lofts were dirt cheap freezing and um, you know were very much part of the whole Patty Smith Talking Heads Lou Reed culture of you know really um, of artists moving into really and rundown areas and so so loft living in in america kind of meant in new york meant something different to manchester because the property market had already been um been established and he did he, he he used to go to great detail to me about the difference between manchester's lofts and, and new york lofts he, he basically he thought manchester's scene wasn't a patch on new york but he hired me to promote the sale of his loft, I think for 1.5 million in about 2002. And this created a huge wave of publicity, um, but no sale. So when I asked him for his money, because I was careful with that, <laughs> I, I got him to sign a contract that said, it would be X for this job. Uh, of course, he turned around, what did he say to me? Oh, I was always going to pay you, Andy, when when we sold the apartment, but we haven't got any buyers at the moment. So you just let when we, you know. And I said, "Look, Tony, come on, we're going to have to settle this amicably." So what I did was I became his agent <laughs> for about a year and a half. I got him all these 
compare gigs for award ceremonies and speaking gigs. And then, and I basically took the money and we agreed that at a certain point when he paid me what he'd agreed to pay me, he would then get the gigs himself and, and he could, he could keep the money. So I, so I pimped out Tony Wilson for about 18 months. The whole thing was really weird, but I was determined, I was determined to get my money in a way that I wasn't going to fall out of it. I have to say how much I enjoyed that, listening to stories about the culture and the music from my old hometown of Manchester, England. Such amazing bands came out of there, continue to come out of there. And um, the way the cities, uh, in fact, in the 70s, it was uh, a shithole, for want of a better word. And uh, the way it developed and everything and the talent that emerged from there and the creative industries also. I could go on forever about it, but I was uh, managed to run my own company there for 25 years and um, never wanted to move to London. Thought we could do it all there. Me and a bunch of other people. Thank you for listening. This has been Moments That Rock. We'll be back next week with another little goodie. See you then. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.